Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Okay, so today we have a friend of mine as a guest on this podcast, and we have been planning this for almost a month um, just to get you down here. Um, I cannot, I'm just super excited. I feel like we've been having a conversation for so long now, which even that was recorded. But um, you have no clue what a blessing it is just to get to be with you um, and record with you all the things. And so you are so, so, so special. And God has used you in so many ways. And so to introduce everyone to, I don't even know, I was announced you as Hannah Browning. So I will let you introduce yourself. Yes, I'm Hannah Browning Long, <laughs> and I'm just so excited to be back. I My dad lives here, so so many memories. I didn't expect all the memories I'd have this morning as I drove in with my sister and my daughter, Willa. And so I'm just honored, truly honored, that you would ask me. And I just pray that someone listening today would really receive something from the Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how long has it been since you lived in Bremont? I last lived here in 2011. So it's been a long time. Yes. Graduated time. in 2013. So it's been a while. But it's it, been so a it's while. good to be back. That's good. So um, just to kind of give everyone a backstory on us, um, the first time that I ever met you, you weren't even married yet. Um, and we got to visit. And I remember you speaking Jesus to me. I remember us eating fried fish and me just getting to sit with you and hang out in the you were just so bold to be like, oh, that's what you wanted to talk about. You know, like it wasn't, I remember it not being some vague conversation. It was like when I left your presence, when I left getting to be with you, I had a stir in my spirit. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like she's beautiful. She's smart. She's cool. She's relatable. And that's what you, that's the impression you gave me from the second that you didn't, we didn't even know each other, but we shared so much because we shared the same spirit. And so that's what I, um, that's why I asked you. That's why I started following you. That's why I started becoming friends with you. And so not too long ago, you had posted, and this is like the main point whenever God was like, look, ask her to come on because we, this needs to be heard because you had made a post about, yes, I'm a hypocrite Christian. And that resonated with me because we all are, because we are still sinners while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And guess what? We're still sinners. But through him, we gain all righteousness. And that's a subject that is so hard for us. And it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around. How can I be imperfect in the one that is my savior, but still be, you know, like that, that line of through him, I'm everything without him, I'm nothing. And so to be saying like, we don't get right and then come to Christ. We come to Christ and then get right. So tell me kind of what was behind you making that post. I look back, I do a lot of reflection of who I was before Christ. And I love the verse that it says that we're a new creation. And so I always think back to, and I'm around a lot of different people, I believe with different beliefs and lifestyles. And I always try to think, how do they see me? You know, what am I doing in my life? How do I portray Christ? How do I glorify God? How am I not glorifying God? And hypocrite is a word that just kept coming up. And I don't get to write as much as I used to um, before I had Willa. But when the Lord really speaks to me about writing, um, that was just something I was really passionate about that I thought that someone else could receive. With social media, it's a double-edged sword, right? It, right? it can do some really negative effects to us. And then there's been some things on social media that have impacted who I am today. And Absolutely. The way that I think, because that's just a part of our life. Social media is here to stay. And so, yeah, the Lord put a hypocrite um, mentality on my, on my heart. And I thought that the Lord could really, um, he ministered to me writing that, but could possibly minister to someone reading it. Okay. So what, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it and I'll post it, I'll repost it again, but just kind of go over what that said that day of the things that you were writing. Yeah. Essentially people can see us as you're a hypocrite. Um, you love Jesus, but you do X, Y, and Z, or this is what you used to do. And the reality is that, yes, I am a hypocrite because I'm not perfect. 
Jesus was perfect. So me being a Christian doesn't, I'm not saying I am a perfect human. (laughs) I'm saying I am broken and I love Jesus and I know him and I have a relationship with him. And sometimes I'm going to mess up. I'm I'm going to make mistakes, Mm -hmm. but my heart and intention is to glorify the Lord. That's good. That's good. So you say that you reflect a lot on how you were before him. So let's start there with the transition from old Hannah to new Hannah. Yes. I grew up Catholic and I lived a Sunday to Sunday life. I thought about God on Sundays. I thought it was a stair step to heaven. If I did something good, I was closer to heaven. If I did something bad, I was a few steps back. And then when I went to church on Sundays, that got me a few points. And I never thought about Jesus. I didn't really care about God at all. Um, I just really wanted to go to heaven and be pretty decent at that. I thought in my trying, in my doing. And when I was a junior in high school, a dear friend of mine from Franklin invited me on a mission trip. And that was the first time that I had a Bible and I got to read scripture. And I was asked on a scale from one to 10, if I died tomorrow, how sure I would be if I went to heaven. And my answer was a seven because I thought I was a pretty good person. I wasn't too terrible, didn't do too many bad things. And they asked, what if you could be a 10 today? And I said, I would love to hear how it could be a 10. And he shared John 3.16 with me and shared with me that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and that God wanted a relationship with me and that I could talk to God every second of the day and I could live by his Holy Spirit. And I was so intrigued. And when I came home from that mission trip, I just wanted to know more. I only knew in the Bible, Jesus on a cross, Noah in an ark, and Adam and Eve in an apple. And I just wanted to know His Word. And as I studied His Word more, I found the authority in the Word. And I started realizing lies that I had believed, Um, such as one that was really the, the pinpoint for me was, it says, you shall call no one father except I. Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm calling someone else father, but they're not Jesus. They're just a person like me, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more dressed up. And as I, I thought to myself, if there's that, what else is there that I'm believing that may not be scriptural? And I always thought that I couldn't understand the Bible. I didn't even know that there were different versions of the Bible. There's not just King James. There's different ways to be able to um, read it. And some people may argue, well, there's so many differences in the word. How could you believe this version? And really the um, answer is that the biggest difference in the translations is 2% and it's the I's, these, and ands. Mm -hmm. So that was really encouraging to me when people fought back on that as well as I was on this journey of having a relationship with Jesus. That's right. And I think over time, you know, we have, we as humans have tried to distort how simple he wanted it to be. You know, like when he came, it was so that not just a few people could read a scroll. He came so the word could be living and active just as he says. And I think that once we miss that and we want to make it argumentative, he's like, okay, you're missing what I came to do. I came to rip the veil. I came to make a new covenant. I came to take on all your iniquities so that you could have the Father. And the Father wouldn't seem like he was so far away. Because that's what we do with religion and his people. We, we, we think that he's so far away, a Sunday to Sunday kind of thing of like, even if I wanted it, I can't really have it anyways. And he's like, no, I'm in you. We are, I consume, I can consume you. I can be with you all the time. Um, I think that's the beauty of what he, what he came to do as being the Messiah. Um, I also want to talk to about, you said that, talked about that mission trip and you had told me earlier about that's what made you understand that you could access the word is because someone started speaking scripture to you and you were just like, oh, well, if you know it, why can't I know it? So talk about that for a second. Yes. Yeah, so the mission trip was special needs and we were the caretakers that we, we went to Tupelo, Mississippi. And day one, 
I had to have a Bible study with the student that I was paired with. It was their summer camp. And it's amazing how the Lord works because that student taught me. She had a study Bible. That's something that really helped me in my walk with Christ and really understand scripture. For anyone listening that may be unfamiliar, for every verse, there's an explanation that helps you kind of go through the Bible and and understand what those um, scriptures mean. But I thought, she is mentally impaired and yet still can memorize scripture. And that gave me hope. That gave me hope. That's good. That's good. So whenever it comes to furthering in your walk, whenever you came back, you started going to different churches, just want, basically just wanting to learn more. And so because you didn't know scripture at the time, you know that you have to go to someone else to be able to re- start receiving things. But then when did the word of God actually start becoming more alive to Hannah? When I truly realized I could have a relationship with Jesus, and I have one moment um, that was very, that was really a turning point for me. When I went to college, I joined a sorority, and they had a Bible study, and it was the first Bible study that I'd ever been to. And the very first day, the leader says, um, hey guys, I have some cuts on my arms. This is because I was moving out all the mirrors in my home today because I have some body image issues and that's an idol. And I just really want to keep my identity in Christ and remove these mirrors to really keep my eyes on the Lord. That to me for the, was the first time that I someone was real with their problem. And what it did for me is I was able to look at myself and think, well, where am I? Where do I have an idol? And that's where I was like, oh, this all connects. So I know that once I realize my own brokenness, I can take it to the Lord because the Lord, he knows every hair on our head. He just wants us to come to him. It's kind of like my husband. We have a relationship. If his boss called me and said, hey, Kobe just got in a really bad wreck. Like he's going to be okay. But when he comes home, he's going to be really bruised up. And if Kobe comes home, so I know this information, but he doesn't tell me he got in the How does that make me feel? Right. He didn't commune with me because we have a relationship. And I, I see my relationship with God that way. He knows my inadequacies, but he wants a relationship with me to say, hey, I'm really hurting and really struggling right here. Will you help me? Will you help me get through that? And so I'm so grateful for her transparency because that's changed my life to really dig deep. Let's get to the root and not just the surface. Because before that, all I thought was, I want to be the best. I want to look the best. I want to have accolades. I want to succeed. And I started learning that life is so much more. I came into this world with nothing and I'm going to leave with nothing. And so really... honing in into what Jesus wants for my life that he came to give that abundant life Mm -hmm. that really changed things that's super good and I think that that's what makes that's why when it comes to discipleship it has to be deeper than the surface because that's what resonates with people we talked earlier about how you resonate with people who bring number one they're vulnerable they're transparent but they also have something that you share with them well you can't know by the outward appearance of someone what you might share from in the inward, right? And so that's when we were talking earlier, you had said like people resonate with people who go through their same things. That's how we build each other up. But if you never are transparent about what's on the inside, how can you be used to build somebody up? So by saying that, who do you think, who in your life has been that for you? Who have you been around that you're just like, you know what? Like you talk about her being transparent with you, and that made you reflect on yourself. Has anybody else in your life really been that to you? Yes. Something that comes to mind is two of the most influential words is me too. For the longest time. That's good. Um, I thought that I was alone in certain sin that I lived in. And I... Um, I guess the Lord is going here. Uh, A part of my testimony that uh, really transformed my walk with the Lord is I had a prescription drug um, addiction and I thought there is no way there's a Christian out there that is addicted to a prescription drug. And the moment that I heard a girl's testimony at Grace Bible Church in College Station, that allowed me to realize, okay, I can still live in this this, I'm a Christian 
and I love Jesus, but also I struggle. And there are there's a reason that the Lord's given me a test for a testimony. That's right. That I could change someone else's life. That's right. That's good. So once she went through that and you knew about it, then you were able to, did you seek her to kind of help you or? And this is how good the Lord is. So right before I went to flight attendant training, I joined a Facebook group of who would be in my uh, class. And I, um, there was a girl that was added and she lived in Dallas and I just Facebook messaged her and said, Hey, would you be willing um, to meet like for lunch so we could know someone? There was 150 people in our class. And she said, absolutely. And we planned a date. That next week, I heard the testimony of the girl in College Station. And um, I told my sister, I said, I want her email address or her name. I want to reach out to her and talk to her. And when Haley sent it to me, she had the same last name as the girl I was going to meet for lunch in flight attendant training. No. And so I text the girl and I said, hey, I know this is really crazy, but I just listened to this girl's testimony and I wanted to know if you knew her. And she texted me back and said, that's my sister. No. And so I got to meet with both of them and uh, the girl that was in flight attendant training Um she just blessed me immensely. She told me, wherever we get based, if we don't get based in Texas, you can live with me because I know that you and Kobe live here um, around Dallas. And she allowed me to get an apartment with her. And she just blessed me immensely. We lived seven minutes from the Charlotte airport to really get me through that year to get back based in Dallas. And so because of her sister's vulnerability, and my ability to even reach out, I was a little embarrassed or hesitant um, to talk about this. That changed my life. Wow. So you heard this, and I'm just in awe because I'm hearing this for the first time, just like you guys. So you heard this, and you chose to be that vulnerable yourself. She even inspired you to be like, you know what? This might be kind of weird. This is totally random, but there's. do you know this person? And God's like, that's how I show up. Amen. That's how I show up is I know you're about to go on this new task in life, this new assignment, the new for you, but I'm still here. And while I am here, we're going to keep molding you to be, we're, we're starting to shed off this sin and like how neat. God kept showing up and showing up as he always does. Our flight attendant class was broken into three groups because we couldn't all go to class at one time, 150 people. And my roommate, she was in a different group, so I would have never met her. I mean, you don't, you know your class, but not really when there's 150. Yeah. So if this testimony would not have been shared, if we wouldn't have connected, I mean. And you have been there that day to hear it. Yeah. Like God was so good because it was on day two of flight attendant training that they announced, okay, these are going to be your base options, Phoenix, Philadelphia, Charlotte, and Washington, D.C. And all I could hold on to was... God has me. I don't know what's going to happen, but God has me. Newly married. I knew that I would have a long drive to just the airport at DFW to then go to Charlotte and what that would entail. And he just provided a long. And then being able to go to Elevation Church almost every single Sunday when the Lord worked out miracles. I should have been working, but crew scheduling didn't call me. Like God was just like, I know it's hard, but I'm going to provide any cap, any cap. Like it was just miracle after miracle. So what was that like getting to go to Elevation Church and listen to Stephen Furtick like that? I mean, I, I mean, I've, I'm a big, I've listened to his podcasts and stuff and um, everybody has their own opinions, but I know for me, um, the first time that I ever had laid on my heart, the very first women's conference, I was running at the track and I was listening to Stephen Furtick and he was talking about being able to visualize, except when God gives you vision for some for you to be used and I would just remember that day literally to the T of the decoration color knowing like one day we're going to have in teeny tiny Bremont Texas we're going to have a women's conference that is filled with the Holy Spirit and it's going to change lives and I don't know how we're going to do it but I'm going to be a part of it and so from then on I have listened to him and you got to be in that seat so what was that how did that change your walk it was amazing and what's crazy is when I was in flight attendant training, I had no idea who Stephen Verdick was. One of my classmates, I think she could, we were both Christians and she could tell I was sad about going to Charlotte. I just 
was believing I'd get based in Dallas. And she said, well, if you're going to be in Charlotte, you know, at least you'll be with Elevation Church and Stephen Burdick. And I was, I thought, I don't think I know them. She said, you know, Elevation Worship. I was like, yes, I do. She said, he has a church. And I was like, great, I have a church. And I was just mesmerized. It, it was amazing that the Lord was so personal with me in that moment. And I was so vulnerable for sure. Yeah. So, so talk about then. So you, so you lived in South Carolina, you were growing in your walk. What was going on with Kobe back in Dallas while you were gone? Yes, we had been long distance uh, relationship for many, many years. Um, five out of our seven years, we saw each other maybe like once a month, twice a month. Um, uh, and so he was really, we were looking forward to starting our life, being married together. And we make our plans, right? Like, and yeah. God directs our path. And that is exactly what he did. He, Kobe got to go on his own journey and he can share his testimony one day of how the Lord allowed him to just have their own intimacy when I wasn't physically there and mm. um, that he could really rely on the Lord. And he started tuning into Elevation Church and uh, started leading a Bible study with their e-group. And that really transformed his faith as well. So he has been a believer. Yes. Okay. Yes. So did he, was he a believer before you? Like, did he help grow you in your walk? Yes. He grew up knowing Jesus. He accepted Christ as a savior, I believe, when he was eight and got baptized. And I think as any um, child, you kind of just go along the path that you're given and the lifestyle that you live. And um he, we kind of just leaned on one another and just, I was so, when we first started dating, I was Catholic and that's what it was. And I've been blessed Kobe's brothers. I had them get up at midnight to go to mass on Christmas one year. And that was the way I did life and bless Kobe's mom and uh, stepdad (laughs) for allowing me to take their sons (laughs) uh, to church because that's where I was going. And slowly the Lord just started taking my heart of stone and just making it into a heart of flesh and just opening my eyes to just scripture and what God, this life he wants us to live. And Kobe was just so encouraging along the way. And we really learned together as well. I want to, um, this just came to me and I want to talk about it, but Whenever, tell me about whenever you say, I love that you just said he took my heart of stone and he made it into flesh because that's the way he is, right? He's the potter, we are the clay. So when he started molding you and kind of showing you himself, tell me about a time where he kind of showed his self to you as far as like, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. You dwell in me. A wow moment. Yes. There's so many that come to mind. I, I think when I, finally connected how God brings beauty from ashes. There's broken parts of my life. My mom got cancer. um, My parents divorced. And for a long time, I was sad about all of that. Like, if we've served such a good God, why why do things like this happen? And I, I just came to the realization of seeing the blessing that God has used through those circumstances of deepening my relationship with my dad and my mom coming to Christ and getting baptized herself at 53 years old. I mean, seeing her walk through that, that showed when I started seeing all of God's miracles and just seeing, okay, broken things have happened to me in my life and broken things are going to continue to happen. I mean, on this side of heaven, Jesus didn't say this life would be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can expect it, but my joy can't be on the circumstance of my life. And so I started realizing this is how he wants me being able to connect things from my past and how he's just used, he's gotten all the glory. Do you, um, how do you feel about being separated from like right now, some people are getting to listen that haven't got to see you in these many years of all the transition you're speaking of, they haven't got to witness it. So just as like a word of encouragement, what would you say for someone who hasn't, um, met, they're not, you know, I think that they're like, well, that'd be great. She got to go on a mission trip. Wow. God showed up. Like how can others be encouraged to be like, it doesn't have to take a mission trip. It doesn't have to take a divorce. It doesn't have to take cancer. It doesn't have to take, your child going through an accident for me, you know, like 
all the things for God to show up. Like if they're listening, like, okay, I want what she's got. How do I get there? Yes. I, the scripture is right there, right there waiting for us. You don't have to go anywhere. The internet's right there. Really, and asking God, just praying and saying, Lord, I want to know you more. Will you reveal yourself to me? And I promise you, he will not hide from you. You just have to ask God for eyes to see that God doesn't just speak in this audible voice. He speaks, he speaks through people. He speaks through circumstance. He speaks knowing that every day is a miracle and where you're placed. It's for a reason. I remember the day that I met you. I wasn't supposed to come that day. And the Lord said, you're going to go to your dad's house on the way to my mom's house. Okay. And so I just look back at that time of we wouldn't be here today, probably, most likely. Right. If I wouldn't have listened to that voice. But where does where do I even start to begin to hear that voice? By reading God's word. So then you can decipher, does this sound like Jesus or does this sound like the enemy? Mm-hmm. And it's just a walk. It's just if you ask, if they just ask, like I've done many, many times and will continue to do, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Continue to reveal yourself to me. He will he will never falter on that. It reminds me of the verse when he says, I love you. I'm your father. Would a good father give you a scorpion if you ask for something good? No, he would not. You have not because you ask not. And that's the thing in my life. I feel like, Lord, I never even asked you. I tell We tell ourselves on the other side of disappointment, well, God didn't. And he's like, you never asked. You never wanted me. You didn't want what I had to offer. You didn't listen to what I had to say. And I'm not going to force you, but you have not because you asked not. Like, if you want to receive me, just ask for me because I want for you to. Um, you talked about listening to the enemy, knowing his voice and being able to pick out which is which. And we know that comes with growth. But do you have a time that you really feel like you were just hearing the enemy? Oh, absolutely. It, just preparing for this podcast, just the drive. I was so ready and so excited and you pass certain places you haven't passed in a while and you start thinking about things and immediately I thought this is the enemy I'm about to go and to to battle for the Lord like mm-hmm. I'm about to just give my heart for people to hear how God is just so good so of course the enemy wants to upset me right in a moment that's so powerful and um, it's, it's just little times like that, that can change your everyday life of knowing is this God or is this the enemy? Yeah. Do you, do you resonate with anybody, any like person in the Bible more than you do anyone else? That's a tough question. It is a tough question. I mean, we're just talking. <laughs> I, Paul. I mean, I, I mean, that's just, and that's so hard to say. I know, I know. That's so well, hard to say because thing about- I wasn't killing Christians, you know, before and then had this big, but I just, what I love about Paul and I just resonate so much is that he had a reputation. A lot of people listening, I don't know what my reputation may, like it could be a lot of many different things. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Paul is that when God blinded him and he just flipped a switch and that's how I saw it as when I became a new creation in Christ, when I accepted him, I have to, Paul probably could have thought, I killed Christians. How can I go glorify Jesus? How yeah. can I go spread his name? And just like today on this podcast, being, I'm a hypocrite. I've messed up, but the Lord is so good. And being able to just see Paul just go forward and he, he, killed Christians, yet he wrote the most books in the Bible. And that just really encourages me to just keep going, to not be ashamed, to not have guilt. Who cares what people say? Like live for Jesus and your life is just so, you get to live that abundant life that Christ died to give you. So thinking about like what people think of me, I think that that has always been my um, my vice, my my hard thing. And so I always have to remind myself of Galatians 1.10. Am I here to please men or am I here to please my father? Because we do, whenever you talk about we come in with nothing, we leave with nothing, but everything in between is really to impress other people or to give our own selves initial comfort. We want this, we have this, whatever. 
um, we're supposed to be this because so-and-so will be happy if I have this degree or I marry this person or whatever. And so Paul, I think he chose to be like, okay, I've done my own deal for too long. Now I want to do what you say. And that switch that we have to flip, we don't need to look at it like it's going to be a burden. If anything, it's freeing. And like when I think, when I hear you talk, all I hear is freedom. Him just saying freedom, freedom, freedom. How free do you feel like you're, you get to live having your relationship with Christ? In every aspect, you know, Joyce Meyer really, really um, encouraged me one day with a story. She said that she was at the grocery store and she's just going to leave her cart out in the parking lot. And God said to her, you want a ministry, yet you won't even put your cart up at the parking lot. You won't even put it in the correct place. And she just said, God has to be in every category of your life. If it's at Walmart, in the parking lot, if it's at the gas station, if it's at the post office, in the workplace, with your coworkers, with your best friend you've had for 52 years, you know, whatever, wherever you are in life, allowing God to just take precedent. And it's so freeing to know that whatever happens today, God has me. And knowing that if I mess up today, God still loves me the same. And if I do something really great today, God still loves me the same. Just knowing that there's nothing more or nothing less that you could do for God to love you more or love you less, that's the most freeing thing that ever happened to me in my life. Yeah. And, and whenever it comes to our daily obedience, like when to me, like the Joyce Myers deal, I've heard that exact same. I, I'd love her too. Like she's fire. And she's so blunt. She's just like, this is it. Take a hold of it. Um, but whenever I heard that, it spoke to me about obedience of like, if you can obey me by putting your card up, can you obey me in ministry? It's the little things that we choose to do that the more we obey, the more he trusts us. You know, just like scripture says, if I give you, if I give you a little, I got to trust you with a little and I can't give you much if I can't trust you with much. And that's what I want to, I remind myself is like, if I can take care, if I, if he can trust me with little He'll give me more. And so many times in my life, he didn't give me more because he, I couldn't even trust myself with little. And the thing is, is that I still can't apart from him. Apart from him, I'm not trustworthy. Apart from him, I can't be obedient because I want what Shelly wants. And so I think that it, it resonates so much with being a mom, with being a parent. Is like, okay, if someone's not watching you, are you still going to change your kid's diaper? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Clearly, you're not going to let her stay that way or him. Um, so why do we do that with our other other aspects of our life? If we know God's watching, we want to act a certain way or we want to be obedient. But really, we should. it should be a part of our character, right? Yes. I don't know. How do you think being a mom has changed your walk with Christ? In every aspect. So much first, just so much grace and uh honor to my parents. It's so true. You'll understand once you're a parent. But also parenting, preparing as well. I think it's very, I found it very wise for myself to look at my parents and the way I was raised and the upbringing and say, what did my parents do really good? What do I love for my childhood? What do I want to offer to my child? And then also looking at things of what are some generational things that have happened in my family line that I don't want to carry on and being able to look at those things. And one big thing for me um, that I realized throughout my family is worry. And when I found Jesus, I'm like, okay, worry is still, it can still be a part of me. So what am I going to do with that? I know Jesus, but I also have this generational baggage of worry and anxiety. So I go to scripture and I'm like, okay, he says, do not worry about a thing. Like it will not add a day to your life. So that goes with children. I, I can see how it, it'd be, it's so easy to worry about your children. How is she going to be when I leave her? When I, you know, it's different situations. And so being able to reflect and, and realize what do I want to bring to offer to my children and what's something that I maybe I want to be extra cautious that I don't pour onto her. That isn't of Christ. So what did you what do you want to pour on her? I want to pour on her that one, that Jesus loves her so much and that her identity would be 
in Jesus that she so loved and that he wants a relationship with her. And I want Willa, my prayer for Willa is that she would have an encounter with the Lord because I can tell her about Jesus and I can show her Jesus as best as I can through loving her, providing for her, encouraging her. But until Willa has an encounter with Jesus to truly accept Jesus as her savior and as her father and as her friend and to accept the Holy Spirit and to live by him, that will be of no certain, like she has to have that encounter. And, and I know that the Lord will provide. I just don't know when because God's just so good like that. So tell me about that then. When do you think you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit? I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit at a Bible study. Uh, I read a book um, called The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. Yes. I love Robert Morris. Yes. And have you ever been to his church in Dallas? Yes, Gateway. Oh my gosh. Me and Wesley stayed like two blocks from there. We had no idea. And so we didn't get to go, but that's super cool. And so that was the first time that I had ever studied scripture on what the Holy Spirit, seeing Holy Spirit as a person and living inside of me and his voice and being and allowing him to guide my life. And that at that Bible study, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and um, I felt an immediate difference. I actually had, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I lived in Charlotte. And when I lived in Charlotte, I didn't have a car. So I would just Uber because I was only seven minutes. And a lot of times I would, you know, try to get the last flight out of Dallas to stay at home as long as possible before I got to Charlotte. And so it's about midnight and not your best mm-hmm. uh, Uber drivers are driving at that time. And I remember being so scared. And after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I got in that car every single time, um, even if it um, it seemed scary, but there were just the Lord. I said, I know Holy Spirit lives in me, and I'm going to use this moment, and I would minister oh to my, my Uber gosh. drivers, and sometimes we'd be standing outside. They would get out of the car and just have to keep talking, and it's, you know, 1230 in the morning, and I knew that I had to be back at the airport at about 5 a.m., but I was like, the Lord provides. Yeah. The Lord provides. And so being able to see that so quickly and kind of lo- not saying that I'm just this fearless person, I never have fear, but it was the first time that I felt truly empowered by the Holy Spirit. Authority. Operating in authority. Yes. I do. I, I, I'm I'm big on that because we take all the authority that we have in Him so much for granted. I do. I shouldn't even say we. I do. And I'm like, why didn't I access it right then? What, what was I doing? And it's because I wasn't listening to Holy Spirit and what He is and what He does. And that's what, whenever I um, I talk about the Trinity, I always try to tell people, like, God couldn't, has never left heaven. Okay? Like, that's His realm. That's where He is. He sends Jesus on earth as His Son, as a sacrifice, but it's still Him in the flesh. But He can't dwell among sin. Sin was among the earth, right? Then Jesus, once He is resurrected, and He goes back to be seated at the right hand of the Father, who's still here? He says, I sent the Advocate. So the Holy Spirit is the only one here, in a sense, but are all three here because they're all three the same. And so it's so hard to wrap your mind around when you haven't been taught. And like studying that has been such an eye-opener for me because I always had them in such different categories, not that they're all the same. And so whenever you say, like, I had Jesus, I had God the Father, and I still had the Holy Spirit, but I didn't access Him. He wasn't having Him in you and having Him on you. Like, how is that? How would you explain that as being the same, but being different? Yes, I, I look back to scripture and the disciples, they did not perform any miracles until the Holy Spirit came. That's right. At at next. Yes. And so that just really fuels me to know that I can't do anything apart from Holy Spirit. And yeah, I... It changes your life when you live by Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? Stay in the Word. Keep surrounded by people that are going to uplift you. And um, just ask God, how how can I know you more? Worship. Community is huge as well. My walk with Holy Spirit, the Lord placed... Well, first off, when Kobe and I got married, our counselor that we still have today... He looked at us and he said, who in your life is a role model of a godly marriage? And, you know, we both come from divorced families and um, we were talking about some people. And he said, so how can we mimic something that we haven't seen? 
And he said, you need a godly um, couple in your life to show you what a godly marriage looks like, that, that you spend a lot of time. It's not just a Sunday to Sunday thing. And we didn't have that close that lives around us. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Two years later, it ended up being our neighbors <laughs> yes, oh, wow. at the church that we started um, going to in Sulphur Springs. And they're now Willa's godparents and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They live by the Holy Spirit and getting to see them in action also teaches me all, reading the word and being able to see it in person, them living by the Holy Spirit that's changed my life because I have that model, you know, being able to actually see that in, in real time. And you want to act it out you because you see them doing it. Yes. That encouragement does that. I So you guys go to a counselor like still? Yes. That is, see, I wish I had that. That is so awesome. Yes. Our counselor always told us, he said, do you go and change the oil on your car when it's broken down? No. I said, no, you have to keep its maintenance. And we love our counselor and... Um, yeah, we're just two broken humans that just have the foundation of Jesus and we need a lot of help along the way and we just love each other and, um, want to keep God at the center. And, uh, we, we need that counseling and we look forward to it and See, that's what I big think advocate of counseling. To look forward to it, to, to be in like, yay, I have you know, and we know that we have, because of the Holy Spirit, he's also counselor. That's one of his names. Yes. Um, so we have him, but like you say, that's, I, I, me and Wesley, we had someone tell us one time, well, I don't want to be up there every time the doors open like y'all. And at first I got offended and I was like, look, it's fun. Like we're not nerdy, but me and him, like we know we have to have that. It's not that we have nothing else to do, nothing better to do, even in a sense at times. But we know that by serving and by being around our Christian friends and surrounding ourselves and soaking in presence of like-minded believers, that's what does it for us. It holds us accountable. We look forward to it. We, um, we get excited when we know that we get to, 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 to be around them and to have an event or go fishing or whatever it might be. And so when you pray, I love that you said that y'all prayed for it. And two years later, you got that. And who knows why God made you wait that long? Who knows what the circumstance was that? But he knows and his timing is perfect. And so if you don't have those things, if you don't feel like your relationship with him is the things that we're describing right now, if you don't feel like you have that camaraderie around you, pray for it. Say, Lord, prepare me to be able to accept it when you do give it to me. Prepare my heart to receive whatever it is other people around me are going to want to pour into me. You know, sometimes in my life, like he's had to clean me out a little bit so that I had room for what he was going to provide me to be around or be with, you know. And um, it's possible for all of us if you ask for it. Yes, that community, that accountability. And, and I believe that's what God, he wants us all to be together in community. Community is so important to God. He was in community when he created the earth with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right. So if God was in community, He wants us to be in community. Being able to experience that for the first time in my life, to be able to be called out in that accountability from someone that you love and respect, it is life-changing. I can give you an example. I One of my struggles is offense. And our good friends that are Willa's godparents, they know that. And he will help me. The Jay, he'll say, Hannah, you're getting the beta Satan right now. Beta Satan. That's what he <laughs> says, beta Satan. You know, and just that I'm not mad at him. I'm grateful. I'm like, you're so right. Yeah. Like you're, and that's, I, that's to me the picture that I believe that God wants for us. That it would be, you're not offended that they're calling you out. Whatever that may be that you struggle with. And so that's just been something really sweet of experiencing true community that's, not just Sunday, like potluck dinner, but really doing life together. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I used to think, oh, church family, you're just like in the church walls, but it's truly doing life together and having experiences because we don't spend our whole life at Starbucks sharing coffee together. Right. You know, it's out um, in our homes, on vacations, on trips, in the living room, cooking dinner. Like that's the life we live and someone can really get to know us.
I think so many, us. like so many times you saying all these little things that you get to do together, we push that out. Like as far as being like, yeah, come over to my home. Yes. Cook dinner with me. Let me just, let's be disciples together. It sounds so cringy, right? To be like, you want to come over and disciple with me? Like, no, right. you're not going to do that. Yes. But what it is, is that's what it is though. That's what it is. It's spending time together and him being, his presence being there also. And so I think with the Bible study we've been doing here, we do it in Bremont on Mondays and I have so many people that want to come, but they don't come. And at first it might be an excuse, but then it comes from just restricting themselves to the unknown. They don't know they've never gone to a Bible study. So when you talked about going to that Bible study, what was it? Or maybe that wasn't your first one. Tell me about the first time you went to the unknown and being like, oh, this is nothing like I thought it would be. Like I try to tell all these, all my friends, I'm like, y'all, whatever you think it's going to be, it's not going to be that. Like it is what me and you doing right now. This is what it's going to be like. So talk about your, when that became new to you. You're exactly right. It is nothing what you expect. My first Bible study, yes, was in college at my sorority. But on that mission trip, every night, I don't know if we would call us a mission, uh, a Bible study at the end of every day on the mission trip, just kind of a gathering to kind of go over the day, right? And the very first question that the youth pastor asked was, what do you think about most in a day? And I sat there and I thought, I think about my grades and where I'm going to go to college and what I can acquire and who I'm going to be one day. And he said, well, you should be thinking about Jesus. He should be the one that's number one on your mind. And that right there was the first time that I'd been in a a gathering that was Christian that I learned about Jesus. And that created a hunger in me. So then when I went to that Bible study at the sorority house, I learned that you're going to learn something. It's not boring. And you receive so much more than you ever thought was possible because we were made for connection. We were made for love. We were made for joy. And that's what God gives in those kind of settings. And so whenever, you know, if the enemy's telling you, don't go here, you know, don't go there. But then you feel this, this push of go, but there's there's just this constant battle. Could that possibly be the enemy trying to keep you from God's love, peace, joy, all the fruits of the spirit, kindness, because that's what you'll receive because anything good, Satan doesn't want you to have, right? The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to keep you silent so he can isolate you. So he can silence you because he knows that if you get to that Bible study and you open the Bible, and you start finding truth for yourself, your life's going to change. And then what are you going to do? You want other people to know. It's just like if you found the cure for cancer, aren't you going to go tell everyone? That's essentially what happened for me. I just want to tell everyone. Like, I'm just in the hospital bed next to you. Like, this is what the doctor did for me. And once you make that first step, your life will be changed, but you'll never know if you don't go. That's right. And if you'll just go, you will understand when other people... I think about the transparency of the girl with the pills. I think about the transparency that we get every week. And then the prayer requests I get from people on the side, I want to say, we went over that this week. There are people you see in the Dollar General in our own town that are going through the same thing you're going through, but you wouldn't know because you didn't come. And you're you're held on by that chain and those bondage because you're just not in community. You're not connected. It's so much more than showing up and getting what you got to get in 45 minutes and leaving. God wants to heal you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to reconcile you. And he's got people around you that will help you do that through him. But you're staying away. Just come. Just come. You know, I think about when he was on earth and he was teaching. And like Sermon on the Mount, right? Like all these people just swarm in. And I think about him being backstage, which they didn't have a stage, obviously. But I think about like his disciples And I think about them witnessing what he was about to do, that they got to get all the time, right? Like they got to eat with him. They got to drink with him. They got to sleep with him. They got to do all these things of daily life with him. But then he gets an audience and they see him in an elevated level in a sense. Like I'm just talking about how I visualize this. So they're seen and they're like, all these people are sitting 
and they're getting fed. They're getting fed the word of God. They're not getting fed a meal of the flesh. Like they're getting fed the word and we, he is the word. We get to be with the word. And so when he came and he gives us Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. Like it's the same thing. They're like, we don't have to go and be an audience. We don't have to wait until Sunday. We get to do it on Tuesday in the middle of the night when we are in the total darkest despair and say, I have you, I want you, teach me, speak to me. Like it's just such a more powerful experience that we restrict him. He doesn't restrict us. We're taught or we think in our lives like we're so restricted. We can't, we won't. When he's like, no, you're the one doing that to yourself. That's not of me. Um, Come to me, all you who are weary. And also come to me, all you who are excited. Like, come to me, all you who are joyful. Come to me, all of us, with every single part of us. Um, I don't know. I I think about when the disciples, how sad they had to be. They were so sad that Jesus was leaving. And he said, no, it'll be better. Because I'll be, I think about if it, we just had Jesus here on earth, he can't be with every single person. But he said, by my spirit, my Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you and take residence in you. Mm -hmm. And that will be better. And being able to live that out, it's it changes your life. How would you encourage others to be a disciple, even if they don't know what that looks like? When I first became a Christian, I was very insecure about my knowledge of the Bible. And so I thought, I can't disciple anyone. I don't know the Bible. And I got the best encouragement, which was Revelation 12, 11. And I'll go to it. They defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. So the enemy was defeated by the blood of the lamb in our testimony. And someone said, no one can ever dispute your testimony. And that encouraged me. So I can come into contact with people that may not be a believer and they may know scripture better than me, but they can never dispute my testimony. So if you've met Christ, if you've had an encounter with him, you, no one can dispute what has happened to you. And that, that's what, that was my first step. And, and I'm still, I am still encouraged with that today. I don't, I have more knowledge than I did from the beginning, but I can't, that's, Again, that's just Satan want, wanting to stop me. That's right. And it makes it to where you don't have to know it all to know him. Like, that's what I'm trying to get. Like, there isn't a 10-step program to get him. You don't have to know it all to know him, but you have to know him to know it all. So whenever you, and, and no one can share Hannah's story of what Jesus did for Hannah besides that, right? And that's what your, your point is, that your testimony is your life story. Your testimony is what you have to say about him. And the thing is, that's not written in the scripture, but would it encourage someone to know Jesus? Absolutely. So that's why it's worth talking about. That's why when people read verses and they, they, they share how they implemented it in their life or how it transformed themselves, that's the testimony of it. And by knowing that, that's what the Holy Spirit uses to encourage someone and lift someone else up and to reveal himself to someone else in a way that they wouldn't have had before. But we can't keep silent about it. We cannot. We can't keep silent about it. He doesn't tell you to. He says, go to all the nations teaching them. Um, when, when, tell me about when you got baptized as an adult. Yes. So I wanted, ever since I read the scripture about being baptized and how that is not securing my salvation, it's, it's showing that Jesus is my Lord and Jesus got baptized. So I want to be baptized. And it was on my decision. No one else made that decision for me. And when I went to Lubbock, I um, joined a church. I was going to a church. I was so adamant to get baptized as soon as I could. I prayed. I was like, Lord, I want to get baptized. And I was, I didn't know the churches and that was in 2013. And I went to just a random church I'd found. And that day the pastor said, we're doing baptisms next Sunday. If you want to get baptized, sign up in the back. 
So I was like, okay, Lord, this is where I'm getting baptized. So I went in the back and I signed my name. And um, that week I went and had a talk with the pastor and it was so sweet. My family drove up to Lubbock and I got to share part of my testimony. And yeah, it was really special. That's awesome. What did that pastor say to you? Do you, I mean, do you remember like, cause I think that that's another thing is we feel like we have to have all the the right words whenever he's just trying to give us instruction. Like, look, this is like you said, it does not secure your salvation. It's professing your faith. Yes. It's saying Jesus died and he was resurrected. I'm my old self is being immersed. I'm raised to walk a new life in him. Um, it's the, it's the, what it means, what it shows. There's nothing special about the water. It's the same water that comes out of the, the, the hose yes. or the tap or whatever, but it's the meaning behind it. And when Jesus was baptized, that's when the Holy Spirit descended on him. And so um, it's just such a special, special moment. Um, but like the man that baptized you, it's not like you'd known him your whole life. Nope. He's just a regular old, regular old guy. Yes. That wanted to be, that was like, absolutely, you, you, you receive this. We're going to be a part of it. We're going to get it done. Um, but you had to, did you feel like you had been obedient in that afterward? Yes, I did. I felt so free and uh, just so just so grateful that I got to know that God wanted a relationship with me and being able to walk in the freedom. And it was very freeing for me. That's awesome. Do you, um, I, I started, I wanted to pull up this verse in Ephesians because Whenever we talked about exposing things, we talked about being transparent. We talked about that's how we disciple is by being relatable and saying, this is what I've gone through. But Ephesians 5.11 says, have nothing to do with the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is, I'm going to read, keep reading. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed in the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So that's the thing is, we, we, we think that once things stay in darkness, that's when they fester because the enemy wants them to stay that way. But once you say things and you receive that freedom, you're just like, number one, it wasn't as fast as what I thought. It, I've already done it. So what am I thinking? I'm going to get arrested for it now. You know, in a sense, like certain things you would, some th- things you wouldn't. But it's just like once it becomes illuminated, then it becomes light. When light is present, darkness can't be. And so that's where freedom lies. That's where it lies because that's whenever we choose to give it up to him and say, okay, Lord, now you take it. And it's like once you voice things and he shines light on them, you stay away from them because now they've been exposed. So once you you vocalize something or I say, look, I'm really struggling with lying lately. I don't know why. It's like then others around me will be like, that doesn't sound very truthful. So let's shine some light on that or whatever it may be, whatever people struggle with. I just think there's so much freedom in just bringing it to light. Just saying like, it is what it is. I want to be different, but I need help. I need accountability. I need community. I need people that will cook dinner with me and and keep encouraging me and lifting me up because that is what keeps you grounded. That's what keeps you full. Um, Being missed. Just having someone say like, hey, we missed you here. Like, where you been? Um, I'm so thankful that you have that camaraderie. And that more than what you have, that Hannah, you are that. Um, I can tell, like, that's, you are that person. And you want to continue to be that person because you know that that's what gets the credit for for who you are and the newness in you. And so with us kind of ending up, what is something that you would want, if you could leave with one thing, what would be your thing? I just first want to say, if you're listening to this, thank you so much because I know time is valuable, is so valuable. And to be able to listen to this, and I just hope that that you receive something from the Lord. But just know that God loves you so much. Um, he sent His Son to die for you, to um, live an abundant life, and that you could have a relationship with God every second of your life, that you'd be able to talk to Him, live in communion with Him. And there's so much freedom in Christ, the desires of the flesh seem so good, but when you taste, when you just have a taste of Jesus, it doesn't taste that good anymore. And it will truly change your life. It will change a generation. Mm. If you think back, you 
we most likely can't remember our great, 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 great grandmother's name, but her legacy is still living whatever's going on in our life, good or bad. Mm-hmm. So what kind of legacy are you going to leave your family, your spouse, your kids, your great, 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 great grandchildren by what you do today? They're not going to remember their name, but they'll remember they'll have the legacy that they live. What kind of legacy are you going to live? That's good. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. And um, just go follow us. If you have anything that Hannah had said that kind of resonate with you, um, just go find her, Hannah Long. And um, I just pray over you guys. I pray you have an awesome rest of your day and go spread Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus.